We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Christopher Crosby, does the Big 12 Pac-12 play themselves out of the playoff? I don't buy Texas. Washington is good, but their second half schedule is brutal. USC has to show they can beat Utah plus a loss to Notre Dame. I think so. I I think that, Vince, you and I have discussed this. I I know I discussed it last week, I think, on a show with Ryan, but I I love the depth of those two leagues. So from a fan standpoint, I – I said this to Bill Bender in a text yesterday. So I cannot wait to watch the Big 12 and Pac-12 this year because there's just going to be some great games in those conferences. But for a Big 12 team looking at the playoff, it, it, it does make it harder. I mean, USC could be a heck of a football team this year and lose three games. Yeah. I mean, seriously. I mean, it, that's just the nature of the schedule. I mean, they have to play Notre Dame on the road, right, which is not going to be easy this year. And some of the teams they didn't have to play last year, they have to play this year. They have to play Utah. They have to play at, you know, they have to play Washington. They have to play at Oregon. Then they have to play UCLA at home. So let's say that they're able to go, you know, two and one against Notre Dame, Washington, and Oregon. There's still a chance they got to play either Utah, Washington, or Oregon in a rematch in the Pac-12 title game. Mm -hmm. You know, like that's a, that's a tough run. Let's say they're able to beat Notre Dame, but then they lose to Oregon or Washington. And then they got to play somebody, you know, it, it's not an easy deal, man, to, to have to beat teams twice. Of course, Utah makes me look foolish for saying that because they've literally done that the last two years. They beat Oregon twice two years ago and USC twice last year. But it's not that easy. Right. Uh, Texas beat Oklahoma one year a few years ago. I think it was 2018. Texas beat Oklahoma. They played in a rematch, and Oklahoma whooped them. I mean, I whooped them, but beat them. Yeah, they were the, definitely the better team that day. So in the Big 12 is, I mean, literally, Vince, every team in the Big 12 except maybe Iowa State can beat any other team in the league on any given Saturday. And even Iowa State last year had a couple games where you know, they gave decent teams a run for their money. I just I just think that their talent level has just uh, – boy, the, 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 the gleam is off that one, right, with Matt Campbell. I mean, the way that they were last – how bad they were last year. Yeah, no kidding. You know, you know yeah, they had a three-point loss at Texas. So, I mean, they, they did have a – that close loss but yeah it's it's going to be fun leagues but to chris's point vince they definitely make it harder for them to be because it's hard for me to it's going to be hard for a one loss or pac 12 big 12 team to make the playoff unless it is texas 
or Oklahoma because they're just not going to get the benefit of the doubt yeah. over a one loss. And you know, you know, the media is going to do if there's like a two. Let's say Alabama loses a loses a game in the regular season but beats Texas, and then they lose to Georgia in a 35-31 shootout. You know people in ESPN are going to be like, no, nah, they should be in over whoever the one-loss team is in, oh, 100%. You know, in the Pac-12 or, or the Big 12. The, there's only two teams that have a chance to get in with one loss, in my opinion. That's USC and Texas because they're blue bloods. That's it. Now, I'm right. not saying that's right. I'm not saying that's fair. I'm just saying that's the that's the challenge that they're going to have. Sure. Unless there's a bunch of two-loss teams in the leagues. And, and I'm not saying a two-loss team would get in, but that's going to be the cry that you're going to have. And it's just sure. it's going to be hard to run the table in those two leagues. It, they are very quality, deep leagues. And because there is no truly elite Georgia, Ohio State-ish type of team, but even Ohio State, as good as they've been, has, have literally lost a, a conference game each of the last two years. So, um, you know, Ohio State beats Michigan and beats Penn State and then beats Michigan State when they're good, and then they go out and lose to Purdue or got loose right. to Iowa. Because if you have an off game against teams like that, they can beat you. And that's what makes the, the Pac-12 and the Big 12, in my opinion, entertaining and why I'm looking forward to watching them play this year. Thoughts? I, I mean, <laughs> you pretty much went through it, man. I don't want to rehash what you just said. Okay. The problem is, is the depth. And yeah. it's, a great, it's a great thing for us. It's a bad thing for anybody that wants to move on. I mean, that's, that's just the bait that, you know, because they're going to beat up on each other. And unfortunately, the Pac-10 slash 12, whatever, has been that way for a long time. I always feel like the Pack is always beating up on itself. And then they also run the problem of not a, they don't get enough eyeballs on their games. And so people look at records and then they're out. Yeah. To me, Vince, in the past, they would beat up on each other because none of them were any good. Well, and, and, the right. difference for now is there's a lot of really quality teams. Like the Pack sure. 12, and this is what's frustrating about USC and UCLA leaving is if they would have stayed, I really think the Pac-12 was, just from a pure football standpoint, is sure. getting ready to enter into a great era of football because, you know, obviously, Kalen DeBoer at Washington, Lincoln Riley at, at the, and Chip Kelly in, in L.A., you, you Arizona's coach is doing a really nice job, Judd Fish. Uh, Jonathan Smith is really building up Oregon State. Oregon's already really good. I love the higher Wash State. Like, they're getting ready to an, an era where, like, man, if the Pac-12 could stay together, that's going to be a really good football conference. Sure. And the NIL has helped them – you know, some of those teams be able to kind of buy some players, which they need to do to get some of those guys that not from their region to come there. And it is what it is. And you look, say more, this, this league would have been, if USC and UCLA didn't do the money grab, this would have, this league was yeah. on the verge of taking off from a pure football standpoint. And that's what sucks about it. It's not driven by what's your football league, the quality of your football league anymore. It's developed by, well, what's your, what's your TV revenue potential? And if you don't have a good TV deal, then teams are just going to leave conferences they've been in for over a half a century. And I, I can't stand that. And it, it just kind of sucks for the Pac-12 because I really feel like if they would have stayed together, that conference was going to make a run and start getting a lot better, in my opinion, moving forward. Because there's some good coaches there and some schools that are willing to invest in the programs, or at least some boosters that are willing to invest sure. in those programs. But it, alas, it's not going to happen because after this year, the Pac-12, as it currently is constituted, yeah. will no longer exist unless really barring tough. a miracle. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Jordan Schreiber, chance of Sam Hartman throws for 4,000 yards and 40 touchdowns. I think that's a little high. Does yeah. he have the ability? Yes. I just don't think he's going to have the opportunity to have that kind of a gaudy stat line. If Notre Dame plays for a championship this year and they get to 14 games, then maybe. Okay. For sure, maybe. Because that would be an average of 285.7 yards per game. Definitely we have possible. seen a quarterback yeah. do that at Notre Dame. It's Ian Book. I mean, Ian Book basically did that uh, back in 2018 as a starter. Now, for the entire year, Ian Book didn't average that much because he came off the bench and, you know, he only had like, what, three attempts against Vanderbilt. He played against Michigan but had no attempts. Played against Ball State, had no attempts. So that drags his numbers down. But if you look at Ian Book as a starter that year, Vince, especially in the regular season, I believe, if I remember correctly, Ian Book was over 300 yards per game uh, over the course of the entire season. So let me just check this real quick. Do the math. Minus 13 equals divided by what did he play? Uh, see, six, eight starts in the regular season. Yeah, Ian Book was at 306.9 yards per game. Now, again, that helped that he only played eight games. Sure. There might have been, the, you know, who what, would he have thrown for over 300 against Michigan? Probably not. It was a pretty right. good defense that year. So, I mean, there's some other things to factor into it. But the point is, is it's not unheard of to see a quarterback do that. The the, But it's harder to do 300 yards at 13 games when you don't miss Florida State and Michigan and teams like that. For a quarterback to throw for 4,000 yards in 13 games, you have to average 307.7 point yards per game. Again, that's close to what Ian did, but that was over eight games. And Doable. they didn't play a lot of their better – you didn't you know, the best team that they played in the regular season that year, Ian didn't have to – best defense they faced, Ian didn't have to throw a pass against, right? right? 
so it's doable, but it'll be tough to Vince's point. It's much easier if they, if I, I would be, if they play 14 games, it's definitely doable, very sure. doable. And uh, 40 touchdowns might actually be a little bit tougher because it's hard for me to envision 40 touchdowns when you've got all your estimates, you're running back. And that's the issue. If Notre Dame 40 rushing touchdowns or 40 it, total, 40 total touchdowns, Vince, possible 40 pass. Right. It's a little tough. So if Notre Dame's running game was not, as good as I think it's going to be, or if the defense isn't as good as I think it's going to be, then these numbers are possible. But I think the run game is going to take some of the production away. And I think that the defense is going to hold teams down uh, from an offensive standpoint, a point standpoint. And thanks. So, so therefore there's going to be a few more blowouts, things of that. And it's not going to be like a shootout. Right. And so I think Sam Hartman's going to be riding some pine towards the end of some of these games. And so I don't think he's going to get the opportunity to, to really. However, in some of those games, he may have 300 yards in three quarters. Definitely. We'll we'll have to see how the offense plays out. Right. Right. For sure. But for, is it doable? Yeah, it's doable. I just think that there's a lot of, I think last year's more what he did last year. Vince, you say last year's more likely because he got to over 4,000 yards of wake force in 2014, but or 2021. But again, that was in 14 games. Sure. Cause he had if he doesn't play 14 games, he doesn't throw for 4,000 wake force. And that was a team that threw the ball all the time. Right. Last year they played 12 games. He was at 300 and uh, 3,701 and he would have got to 4,000 if he played a 13th game. But again, that's a he played on an offense that they he averaged 35.7 yeah. attempts per game. That's I just lot. don't see that at Notre right. Dame this year, right? Because they had to do that at Wake because they had the shootout. I mean, right. he had, to, had to throw to. the ball all over the place, right? That's, he had yeah. what's he one, two, three, four, five games last year. He attempted over 40 passes. Yeah, I don't see that happening more than once. Right, maybe twice at Notre Dame this year. Maybe right. I hope I hope it doesn't happen at all. Exactly. Right, but yeah. So good, good questions. Good, good questions. We got a couple, few super chats here, Vince. Excellent. Thanks, Mike, for the super chat. Really appreciate it. Power says Minchie is the future and top one hundred. Agree. Well, considering I had Kenny Minchie ranked in my top hundred, you maybe look at my ranking and you'll see that I agree with that. So yes, uh, since he was in my top one hundred, I would say I agree with that. Tyler Evans with a super chat. Thank you very much, Tyler. Fellas, what is your favorite decade in sports? 80s, 90s, 2000s, or the 10s? For me, it's 80s easily, Vince. Like, easily. Because think about who my teams are. Notre Dame, Boston Celtics, Denver Broncos, Cincinnati Reds. And at the time, Michigan basketball, who won a title in the 1980s. Right? So Notre Dame won a national championship. The Celtics won three national championships. Notre Dame won a national championship and the Broncos lost, but they still went to three Super Bowls and I got to watch John Elway play every day. So, and the Reds weren't great in the eighties, but they were still good and won a world series in 1990. So yeah, the eighties for me was phenomenal. Now the nineties started off good and then it ended well from an NFL standpoint, but so like it started off well with Notre Dame being really good. And then the Reds winning the world series but the middle of the 90s sucked. The Celtics weren't good anymore because <laughs> Bird had retired. The Reds went downhill pretty quickly. The Broncos had some rough seasons in the middle. And then Notre Dame basically was like the Bob Davey era is how I finished the night, the middle and the late of the 90s. So it ended up, it was just inconsistent. 2000s, trying to block it all out of my head for all of them. 
you know, I mean, just and 2010s was okay. I mean, the Bronco, you know, Notre Dame's had some good years. The Broncos won a, a Super Bowl, but I stopped watching baseball, stopped watching the NBA. Just don't care as much about it anymore. So I have to go back to the eighties for me. Was again, Vince, you you probably barely remember the eighties. Right. So it's the nineties you know, a lot me. younger than I am. Yeah, it's right. the 90s for me, uh, just because now the Cubs always stunk until two, 2016. So that's not really a thing. Uh, so you can't really count them. Uh, the Bears weren't very good, but I did enjoy very much watching the Bulls play. Uh, I was a, a, a Pacers fan as well, and they, they were battling there in the 90s, you know, with Reggie Miller and that whole group. And so I enjoyed watching them. Um, Trying to think of what else. I mean, I, I from an NFL standpoint, I kind of uh, adopted the Niners as my team, and so I, I they were good in the '90s. You know, they they were really good because it was hard to root for the Bears because they were just terrible. And so, you know, you root for a team that's really good. And I hated the Cowboys, who is a Cowboy, one of the Cowboys' biggest rivals of the '90s was 49ers. And so I, and of course Joe Montana, and then Jerry Rice, and the whole thing. So I really enjoyed watching the 49ers play. So the '90s were good, and I think. A lot of it also has to do with just the nostalgia of the fact that I was like 10 to 20 years of age during the 90s. Like that was mm-hmm. my and that's when I was just in love, like with sports. You know what I mean? Sure. It, it was that's when I really fell in love with sports and all of those things. So I think that's part of it. I look back on it. You know, how you look back on some of your childhood memories and they're probably better in your head than they actually were in reality. Right. That's how I look at the 90s. Like that was my gotcha. high school years and middle school and all that stuff. So uh, it's the nineties for me. Well, that's why the eighties are for me convinced. Cause it was that good. Like I said, the Celtics sure. won three yeah, titles, right. <laughs> sure, you know, the, the Broncos were in three super bowls. The Notre Dame won a national title. Like they were that good, you know, um, cause I'm thinking of the teams I rooted for, they were four championships and three champ. Well, actually there were four, there were four championships and then let's see, um, 89 for Notre Dame. You have two others for the Celtics where they made the NBA finals and lost to the Lakers. So that's two more. And then the Broncos had three Super Bowls. So six years where they basically finished second. My team's finished second. Right. And so, um, although I'll be honest, I don't remember the Celtics first title. It was only three. I I remember the 84 on titles more so uh, than the 81 title. But still, I mean, it's like, when I started recognizing the Celtics as my team, because they were my dad's team, they were phenomenal. Right. right. And so, uh, yeah, it was eighties that, but that, like it was that good for me. Right. I mean, I got to watch Larry Bird and John Elway playing the same decade. That was pretty cool for me. I mean, it's two of the greatest to ever do it at their positions. So yeah, it was fun times, fun times. I hope that the 2020s ends up becoming that decade for yes. us. Going forward. Let's That'd do nice. that. That That'd sounds very nice. Great. It's still early. It's still early. There's a chance. Super chat from Travis. Thank you very much, Travis. If Sam Hartman's season ends with him as a Heisman candidate, what is the highest you could think he could get drafted? I don't. I don't know that a Heisman season will necessarily move the needle for him, but I, I, I'm still someone that believes. It won't hurt. I, I yeah, I'm still someone who believes that if Sam Hartman comes out and balls out for Notre Dame this year, it's going to boost his draft stock a lot more than some think. I just don't think it puts him into like round one, but I think it could put him into like look. If Ian Book can be a third round draft pick, Sam Hartman can be a third round. Draft I'm going to be really I'm disappointed sorry. if Sam Hartman gets drafted lower than Ian Book. Well, I, I think part of that was just Sean Payton fell in love with Ian Book for some reason. I, I don't know that anybody else takes him in round three. Talk about buyers, but he probably would have been four or five at least. You know, so. 
Yeah, they they the buyer's remorse, they got that real quick. <laughs> they got that real that Sunday night football or Monday night football. It was one of those prime time games. I can't remember what the one that he started, and it yeah. was went downhill fast. It was, it was rough. Irish blooded favorite OC and DC of the Kelly era. Favorite OC is Mike Dembrock, both as an OC and as a human being. Yep. Favorite DC of the Kelly era. Um, with all due respect to Coach Freeman. Because I view him more That's as that coach. It's 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 Mike Elko. Elko again as a coach and a person. I I got along well with Coach Elko very well. Still occasionally chat with him. Like he's a good guy, good man. Coach Lee was also a very good man. I just his style of play on defense is just not mine. I, it's not what I prefer. I, I like I like a more aggressive, a sound but aggressive defensive scheme. And Elko was that way, and that's why I just thought. And, and he was and and Elko is also a much better recruiter than Clark Lee as well. Yeah, so Den Brock, uh, Den Brock, and um, and Mike Elko is the one for me. Those would be my choice as well, but it's a it's a close second to Chip Long. Uh, yeah, from an offensive coordinator. Chip standpoint. Chip's a person I got along well with, best. Yeah, right, personally, but the offense is the fifteen offense is still the best one the Rams had, like in in the Kelly era, and that was a Den Brock offense. So, yeah, good questions. I gotta remind me to tell you a story about. Mike Denbrock later okay. on. So about current events, Mike Denbrock. Okay. Interesting. So, yeah. Somebody I know very well was invited to stay at their house for a couple weeks. So Okay. Anyway, cool. uh, Rob Osgood with the super chat. Thanks, Rob. I'd pay money to see Scott Satterfield versus Brian Driscoll in a cage match. Scott didn't love the Olay blocks in high school. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think Rob, if I remember correctly, like, played with him or against him and he wasn't really well liked by his teammates is what he's referring uh, to i believe is the scenario here okay um sure i no, mean okay matching people man like i don't know <laughs> i'm not a big fan of scott Satter. and the thing is i really liked that hire when louisville first made it i really did yeah but he was a huge disappointment mike j with the super chat thanks mike is there a bigger playoff game than Notre Dame versus Michigan? Well, not for Notre Dame and Michigan fans. I don't know about so, the I mean, country. I, I, I would say I would rather see a playoff game between Notre Dame and UM if we're talking about Miami. I, I, that would mean Ooh. more to me than Michigan because there's there's at least a tra- you know the tradition of playing four championships against them. Uh, yeah, there'd be a lot of bigger playoff games. Playing Alabama would be a bigger playoff game than playing Michigan. Right. Playing Georgia would be a bigger playoff game than Playing, if we're talking about it from a Notre Dame standpoint, or I feel like playing standpoint. Ohio State would be a bigger playoff yeah. game than Notre well, Dame. I, the only reason I would say no to that one, Vince, is just because at least they've played recently, where Notre Dame and Michigan haven't played since 19, I guess. Is, but look, the bigger playoff games for Notre Dame are going to be against Bama and Georgia. That, that's, sure. And and I would say if somehow Notre Dame and Texas both got in the playoff, that mm. would be an even – if we're talking about from a national brand standpoint, that right. would be much bigger. If we're talking about from a national standpoint, two playoff games against two northern a, – a national a playoff game or a title game against from with two northern teams playing each other does not have the same appeal as right. regional powers with, you know, blue bloods from different areas. Yeah, agreed. So, yeah, that's um, – yes, there would de- there could definitely be bigger playoff games than, than that one. Uh, here, here's another one that I, I, I'm going to answer quickly because I don't have an opinion, Ben. So I'm going to ask it in case you have an opinion. But Joe <laughs> okay. Medina says, any thoughts, any thought on Sam Harmon's mom planning to turn Sam's surgically removed rib into a necklace? That was the plan for a long time. Like I, I, I heard that months and months ago. So 
Um, okay, it's pretty kind of a savage move, I guess. Sure. Uh, but I don't, I don't have an opinion on it. It's just no. Like that, I mean, that's a, to me that's a personal thing, and I don't yeah. really care about people's personal. Okay. Lives, so. Cool. Sure. Yeah. Football, Indy football nerd, the Notre Dame front was inconsistent stopping the run last year and lost a good edge setter in Foskey, and now Mills has moved back inside. How can Notre Dame fill the void and improve in setting the edge defensively? Well, number one, I think that they're going to be better against the run with Mills inside than they were last year. Uh, so I think that's one thing. And the, and the reason I bring that up because you're asking about the edge is if you're more disruptive up the middle, it makes it easier to set the edge because you force the bounces quicker. So you force the backs to declare quicker. Uh, I don't, I don't, I didn't think that Jordan Patello had any issue setting the edge last year when he was in the game. And I think Javante Jean Baptiste is, is the bigger question mark. Cause he just, he didn't play a ton against the run at Ohio state. I mean, he did, but he didn't play a ton period. Definitely didn't play against the run. Nana's pretty good at setting the edge. I think what it comes down to is how can you fill the void is it's really just comes down to effort and, and proper coaching right so hey here's the angle you got to play here's the you know you got to use the wrong arm right the, the, the excuse me the right. proper arm you know play this leverage don't allow yourself to get sealed in this i mean it just comes down to executing your assignment and then doing it with force uh you know so it it, it setting the edge is is you have guys that are great at it because they're great talents but you don't have to be a great player to be good at it it's just you've got to have some level of athleticism that you're not getting reached and those type of things. And you've got to, you know, play with good pad level and you've just got to fundamentally execute it correctly. It's really, you know, what it comes down to. So the question that I would have that is going to be more determined by the losses is will they be able to be as productive as they need, as, as they need to be from a, a run game standpoint. I think that's kind of a bigger question for me. Yeah. I felt like they got hurt more up the middle than they did on the edge last year and moving yeah. mills inside and a, uh, a better play from the linebackers as well should prevent that from happening. So, yeah, yeah I think they're going to be fine. Hopefully, I mean, look, the run game is the big question mark defensively because that was their that was their biggest weakness at times. They haven't been they haven't been great against the run yeah. in a while, right? I mean, it's been a minute since really since twenty twelve, right? Last time so it's really a question mark. I totally understand where where you're coming from, nerd, uh, but I I. I <laughs> You said that in such a way that it sounded like an insult. Nerd. <laughs> I don't know what you mean. Well, it's, it's, I didn't want to say the whole thing. I know. Uh, but uh, I understand where you're coming from, but I don't think it's going to be as big of an issue as people think. Yeah. Agree. <laughs> Nerd. Agree. Uh, here's here, We'll get some quick ones, Vince. Let's knock out a few quick ones here real quick. So we can okay. T-Guns is one touchdown, 100 yard. Oh, for every 100 yards, a good ratio. I think so. Yeah. So like 300 yards passing yeah. for, uh, you know, in a touchdown for a quarterback, I would say for a running back, it's, you know, I always kind of feel like hundred for two is kind of the way that I sort of look at it is a, is a little bit more of a ratio, maybe one and a half for, for every hundred, if, if that makes any sense. Meaning like if you get to 150, you get that two. You, is that, that's what I mean by yeah. one and a half. And so like per hundred, so 150 means two touchdowns, but it's a little closer to two for a hundred yards as a rusher. Uh, for a receiver, it's it's a it's a very good ratio for a receiver. I feel like that's the position that more than any is that way. Quarterback, it's close to that. I mean, you know, if you're 3,500 yards, you're 30 to 35 touchdowns. I mean, that's that's close to it. I think rushing would be the one that can skew it a little bit. Sure, that would 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 be there. Well, because they're yeah, rushing is yeah, because you can have some short yardage touchdowns and some 
right. some things of that nature. But you could also be a guy that gets 200 yards and you get like, – like Barry Sanders, if you look at his touchdown numbers in his career compared to his rushing numbers, he didn't have the same production because the way the Lions would use him, they would sometimes bring him out in goal line situations. Because he was a smaller back. Right. Right. So, I mean, he had over 10 touchdowns his first three years, but in his last seven years, he was single digits in four years. And then the other three years, he was only 11. The year that he had 2,000 yards, he only had 11 rushing touchdowns that year. That's crazy. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I, I bet I if you looked at him, complaints about it. You I'll know, bet you if you looked it up, those 11 touchdowns were all probably all long, somewhat long runs. longer. But you yeah. look at Terrell Davis when he rushed for 2,000 yards, and this is the point is he had 21 touchdowns. Right. So just the way that they were used, right? Yeah, it really had a big factor in it. So, yeah, a couple more quick ones here. Uh, Indy football nerd, who's the most athletic quarterback on the twenty-three roster? I'd say probably the best athletes, probably, probably Sam Hartman. Actually, uh, Sam Hartman's a much better athlete than people give him credit. Go yeah, back to the rushing freshman, and yeah, he, he's a pretty <laughs> decent athlete. He's not a runner, he's right. a good athlete. Right. Uh, Kenny Minchie probably second, Steve Angeli third, but they're all very close. There's not a, a sure. lot of separation from an athleticism standpoint between the three quarterbacks on the roster. Now that changes in 24 when CJ Carr shows up because he's without question better, a better athlete right. than all those guys. Yep, agreed. Um, so yeah, I would probably go Hartman, but if you were to make a case for Angeli or, or Minchie, I wouldn't necessarily argue with you because they're all kind of close, yeah. in my opinion. Jordan Schreiber, if Kenny Minchie wins the backup role, do you think Steve Angeli transfers or sticks around after the season? I don't know. I hope he stays. I mean, I, I don't know I, enough I, about Steve. I, I want him to get the degree. I, I think he really likes Notre Dame. I, I, I don't know. I don't like to project that. I, I can all I can say is I hope he stays. That's mm-hmm. about all I can say is I hope I hope that he stays. Yeah, yeah. I just don't know enough about Steve the person to to right. say either way. To be right. honest with you, I get. The Meaning world we, we don't know in. his goals and right yeah, and, exactly. and the world that we live in right now. If you're relegated to third string consistently, I get it. If you want to play, I mean, then you're going to transfer. So right. uh, it, it just all depends. Yeah, Ryan with the mailbag question: Injuries are part of every season. So which position group do you feel most confident can survive injuries, and which do you feel least confident aside from quarterback? Thanks, guys. Have a great Friday. So this is a depth question. We had another depth question that we'll get to here later. Uh, position that I, I'm most confident can survive injury aside from quarterback or uh, uh, that I'm on offense, it would be probably wide receiver because I think the freshman could easily step in and start. There's going to be backups that are good players. Running back, I'd say no because there's already like injury already some injury issues there. Yeah. O-line, it would depend on which O-lineman. Right. Right. If it's Joe Walt, eh, right. you know, just because right. there's going to be a big drop off. But, you know, if one of the guards goes down, I think they'll be okay. Sure. Uh, I just want four, one of the five guys right. competing for two spots right now. Right. Exactly. Uh, defensively, the position where I'm most confident that they will be okay is probably corner. I'll go in this order corner, D tackle, linebacker, D end, Viper, especially safety uh flip flip side of that which do i feel least confident so on defense it's safety right because if they lose one of this they're they're in some trouble offensively aside from quarterback it's running back if it's more so audrick right 
because I just have so many questions about the health of the other players in the roster. And every guy behind Audric has an in- checkered injury history. You know, Devin Ford's got one. DeBron Payne's got one. Jadarian Price has got one, right? Jeremiah Love's the only guy that doesn't have it because he's a freshman. He's never been there. So, right, that would be a bit of an issue yeah. for me. The only other one I would say offensively, if you were really going to split some hairs, would be tackle. Yeah. Because, like yeah. you said, it would be a big drop-off. And I yeah. and I know that's not offensive line, but not every but no, offensive lineman can play every spot. Yeah. So. Well, and that's what I hinted at earlier. Like, I'd be a little nervous if one yeah. of the tackles went down. Yeah. Uh, especially Alt because he's more yeah. established right now for sure so yeah that's a that that's an interesting one good question how many catches and yards do you think each of the freshman wide receivers great house flores james end up with at the end of the season do great house and flores burn their red shirt i think they do i i you know me vince i'm not a big fan of red shirting receivers so right. I, I would play all of them uh how many catches and yards do i think that they'll have i'm gonna go 35 catches for at least 550 yards as a as a trio i think that's okay. what they'll do okay because i have Jaden, you know i have rico i went, took the over for rico at 15 right i think Jaden will be similar if not more you know but but so i don't want to put too much on Jaden Greathouse right away right he yeah, might no be 15 doubt. to 20 perhaps and sure. then maybe 5 10 for braylon maybe 5 for braylon because i think he's the one that needs the most work fundamentally of the three, even though he might have the highest ceiling, I sure. still think Braylon James is the highest ceiling. But we always knew he was going to need work route wise and stuff like that. So, uh, but um, I, I would I would burn all their red shirts. Honestly, I, I wouldn't red shirt because if Braylon James is the, for example, uh, or Rico Flores or Jane, if any of those guys are who you think they are, then they're not five year players. And if they are five year players they're not necessarily guys that you're going to necessarily want to use the roster spot with. And if they are coming back as a fifth year in a situation like that, it's more so going to be because a guy missed his junior year or something like that with an injury. Right. And then that's where the fifth year comes from, but they're just, they're not going to be guys that you red shirt as a freshman. And then you're going to want to bring it back. It's because that means that they're not getting drafted high, which means they're not impact right. players. Uh, you know, and, so it just, yeah. it would be a little bit of a different situation for me. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From Christopher Crosby, is this finally the year we can stop saying Notre Dame can't get into a shootout with blank team? Confidence level Notre Dame offense averages 35 to 40 points per game. I have a very high confidence level. There'll be minimum 35. I mean, I'd say like eight on that one, right? Like I'm pretty confident. Is this the year? We'll find out because here's the thing, Chris. I understand where he's coming from because they'll they'll have a they'll have the ability to score better. But there's a difference between scoring 
and being clutch. And that's what we don't know about this team. Right. And, and, and honestly, that's what we don't know about Sam Hartman because in a lot of those shootouts at wake, they lost. And I'm not blaming him for that, but if you're in a shootout, it's because your defense isn't making stops. So you may be able to stay in a shootout, but can you win? We don't know the answer to that. Does Notre Dame have money players the way that CJ Stroud was for Ohio state last year, or the way that Stetson Bennett was for Georgia or, you know, guys that can step up and be that the way Hendon Hooker was against Bama last year, uh, that type of thing. We don't know the answer to that yet. And Sam hasn't had a good enough team around him to be able to go answer that question yet. And so those are different aspects of it that you look at and say, we, we there's a lot of things we still have to learn about winning a shootout. Now, can they get in shootouts? Yes, because the premise before about how uh, Notre Dame can't get in the shootout is, they're not good enough offensively if the other team is scoring right? to be in the game. Now right. they are to be in the game. But does that mean you're winning 58 to 55 or losing, which is something that Sam Hartman's been a part of? And sure. again, I'm not blaming Sam Hartman for that because if you, if, you, if you lead your team to 55 freaking points, you should win unless it's a multi-overtime game, and it wasn't. They just got beat right. by North Carolina, even though you let – you know. so I don't blame him for that. But I'm just saying is – it's not up to the quarterback to win that game. I mean, Deshaun Kaiser leads Notre Dame to a, a, a touchdown with 30 seconds left against Stanford. What else can he do, right? Well, the defense goes up and gives a field goal drive in less than 30 seconds. I mean, right. right? So there's just a lot that goes into it. But uh, they can at least get into into more shootouts this year. I right. just hope they don't have to. And that's that's the that's the kicker, right? I mean, because in the last few years, have you ever been confident that Notre Dame could go score for score with a team when they needed to? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I just I never. It was rare that like the a, the other team would go down and score. I'd be like, all right, Notre Dame just got to score. They're going to match it, no problem. Like, it was like, man, hope they can uh, match a score with a score here. You know, it, it's, just, it's a different feeling. And my feeling that I think I'm going to have as I'm sitting there watching the game is that, okay, Notre Dame's going to go down and score here. It, it, it's more going to be, okay, Notre Dame needs to stop them here. And I think they can, but yeah, I, I'm going to have more confidence in the offense. I will say that much that mm-hmm. they can put points on the board. Let's go to uh, here. All right. Fun hypothetical from Robert. With Coach D as offensive coordinator and Ryan as defensive coordinator, you are starting another IB staffer on the current ND roster. Who takes the field and what scheme results in impact plays for them? I mean, Vince is my is my kicker. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> um, I don't know about that. Uh, who That's takes the though. field and what scheme? Man, results and impact plays for them. I mean, I'm blitzing Ryan because I don't know if he's fast enough to make plays without running. Uh, What scheme allows me to make impact plays? Whichever one requires me not to have to run that much. So um, (laughs) what scheme would allow me to be an impact quarterback? Uh, Oh, no, as OC. Okay, because there was another question about us as players. I'm sorry, OC. Oh, okay. Uh, Honestly, so Vince is my holder. That's where Vince is. Vince is my that. holder, so that's an easy out there. I can do as that. OC. I mean, honestly, I'm I'm kind of a a, a shotgun pro style guy, like a spread pro style guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like a lot. I mean, so my offense would look somewhat like Tommy Reese's did at times when he was really mixing up the personnel. Like so, like the North Carolina game, 
my offense would look a lot like what it looked that his offense looked like in that game. Mix up personnel, a ton movement, you know, getting multiple guys involved, uh, stuff like that would look a lot like, but I'd, you know, be more RPO oriented. I like RPOs a lot. I mean, we were doing stuff like that back when I was co- pass game coordinator CNU back in like 04 and 05. I mean, we were doing, we were doing similar stuff off that. So, I mean, way back then. So, I mean, we were doing, we did wildcat in 05, you know what I mean? Like with Kazim Burke, I mean, we were, you know, we did so that none of that stuff's new. It's been around. It's just more prominent now. So mm-hmm. the, the point being, as I would have evolved as a coach, that would have become a much bigger part of what I was doing. So um, similar to that, Ryan is DC. I'm not sure what he would want to do. I mean, I, Ryan said in the past he's a four two five guy. Yeah, he, has he said likes four two five. So uh, scheme wise, but what we do scheme wise, I don't know specifically with inside of the four two five what he would want to do. And we don't have twenty two guys on staff, so we can't really yeah. uh, you know put together right. a whole team. Here was the help. second part of his question: was how do results change if Coach D is also playing quarterback uh. and starting linebacker? Uh, it'd go zero and twelve if I was playing quarterback. I'm forty five <laughs> years old and right. I'm way out of shape and uh, was was not a Notre Dame caliber player to begin with. So. Yeah, how would how would results change? I would just pray that we can run for 300 yards a game. Yes, that's just what I'll to hand the ball off to SMA. with everyone knowing we're still handing it off. Correct. Yes, that that would be our. Home and then game. I get to trot out and hold the extra point. Yes, I'm fine there with you that. go. On the one so, touchdown drive we'd have during the season, hey, whatever. <laughs> just just put just put Dylan on. How would staff, the results change if I was the if I was quarterback one? Here's what I would say to do: If I'm the Notre Dame coach and I'm starting quarterback, is put me in against Navy. Let me hand the ball mm. off against uh, to, uh, against Navy, and then bench me for the rest of my career. That <laughs> would be the best thing to do. <laughs> if you're the coaches at Notre Dame, and I'm QB uh, one to great. start the season, <laughs> that's absolutely <laughs> bench uh, me. What, bench me after I hand the ball. Like, you know, let me get a first series, right? Like, right. Let me do like a little bootleg so I can get a, an, an attempt under my belt. You know. Uh, get a little slide route dump off to Audric, and then you know let Audric just lead us down the field like ten straight runs, two play actions yep. that I don't have to throw the ball more than two yards down the line of scrimmage, and then I tip my cap, hang it up. That that's the dream, right? That's leave, the dream. But don't ever play me again. Yard line. <laughs> don't ever. We got the ball at the forty going in. You know, don't ever play me again if you want to win games. Oh, that's that's funny. the best way to go about it. So, uh, that's fun funny. question. That's a good one. It's a good one. Ryan, let's say Navy comes out with the same defensive game plan that they had in the second half from last year. How would Hartman be able to take advantage in ways Pine couldn't? This is where experience helps, right? I mean, Drew hadn't really seen a defense like that that was just blitzing from everywhere. Sam Mm -hmm. Hartman has. Uh, He'd be able to recognize the blitzes a little bit better, set the protection more effectively to make sure you're sliding to the side where the pressure's coming from, uh, have a better idea of where you're throwing hot, Notre Dame doesn't isn't a team that had hot routes, but you have hots, right? I mean, I don't have a quote unquote hot route because a hot route to me is, hey, you see blitz, you slant right behind it, right? Like that's a hot a hot route to me, Vince, and I don't know if you view it the same way. Is you're breaking your route off because this guy blitzed. Right. Yeah. Notre Dame didn't do that. What I mean is throw hot means if this guy blitzes, I know that I've got to quickly get the ball out to this. You've got a safety valve. Is what Correct. And it's, it, but, yeah. it, but it's already happening. So right. my crosser, which it's is my in. check down route, is now my hot route. Right. Or my pivot route that was going to be my read deep and then come to the pivot is now my hot route. Or my swing to the back is now right. my hot route. Or I check out of it and say, hey, we're doing this. They're walked up. Even if they smoke – 
I know with that center, that free safety right over us on the inside hash, they're in cover one. I know they can't cover him outside one-on-one. I'm sure. banging that go route where Sam Hartman will have more of a freedom to do that that Drew just wasn't as a first-year starter. So it would be those ways, Vince. So protection, better protection checks, knowing who the hot is, throwing off that guy, uh, making some of the open throws that are there. I mean, if he hits Michael Mayer on that wheel route in the third quarter, Navy's not blitzing anymore because the game's over, right? Yeah. I mean, it's basically over at that point in time. So uh, those are all things, Vince, that I look at and say, it's those little things sure. and just it, that, that really come from experience. And there was no way to replicate that for Drew last year. I, well, and I would even just wasn't. Yeah, I would even say that Drew would have more success against it if he was doing it this year as he did last year. Yes, because he'd be more prepared for it because, because he that's saw. That's a great it. point, Vince. Yeah. That's a great point. Drew would handle that from Navy better today, this Correct. year, in August 26th than he did last November. Yeah, it's a great point. Great point. Oh, and it came up. I didn't even yes. see it flat. Okay, here we go. Jordan with a question. Do you think with Stucky being at Notre Dame, we start to see receivers get drafted again? What players have a legitimate shot at the first three rounds? Well, I mean, they had a guy drafted at receiver not that long ago. I mean, Chase, Chase Claypool, Claypool was a second drafted. rounder. Uh, Boykin got and, drafted. And, and Ben Skoranek got – well, uh, Boykin got drafted the year before Claypool. Oh, okay. Uh, ben Skoranek was, was drafted in 2021. He wasn't drafted high, but he was still drafted by the Rams. Uh, yeah, of course, of, of course. Look, Kevin Austin would have been drafted if he didn't have the injury issues yeah. and some of the background issues from early in his career. There was a lot of f- red flags for a guy right. that had very little production for his career. Mm-hmm. That's just the reality of it. Uh, if he would have come back and played in 2022, I think Kevin gets drafted. I agree. Like That's just my opinion. Yep. So, uh, you know, that's kind of where where I uh, come from it on that one, Vince. But, yeah, I mean, the talent will be better. The development will be better. And, and like, yeah. Avery Davis would have got drafted if not for two devastating injuries. I, I still feel like Avery Davis would have been a day three pick if he doesn't have devastating injuries. I, so there's a, there's been some bad luck. I mean, we can we – can, like, I'm no Dell Alexander fan. Everybody knows that. But he can't control some of the things that happened. Like Kevin Austin stuff that that wasn't that, that Kevin Austin's injuries were not Dell Alexander's fault. Avery Davis's injuries were not Dell Alexander's fault. If if those guys didn't have those injuries and some other things going on, I think they're both drafted guys in my opinion. Sure. I just you know so I just I'm I'm not I'm not gonna. I have a lot of issues with Dell Alexander, but he coached Chase Claypool all but one year of his career in, in, in at Notre Dame. I mean, outside of his freshman year, Dell was his position coach the next three years. Sure, and he you know he became a second round draft pick. Uh, so, you know, I, I think it has more to do with the talent wasn't as good. And I mean, Braden Lindsay would have had a shot at getting drafted if they used him correctly. And he actually wanted to, cause he would have mm-hmm. tested very well. So, you know, he, he might've been a seventh round draft pick, but, um, yeah, that's, but yes, yes. The answer is yes. But I just, I don't think it's because Stucky's here per se. I just think they would have had more guys get picked because they have better players. Even mm-hmm. some of the guys that are going to get – like the next guys that get drafted from Notre Dame probably won't be guys that Chancey Stuckey recruited. That's going to be guys that Dell Alexander or That's Chip true. Long slash Tommy Reese recruited. Right. Right. Bulesfield Financial Services, Inc. Brian, thank you for the T-shirt. I'm a yeah. Gold Club member for life. 
So JP upgraded to the Gold Club recently. And so as part of that, if you are a part of the Irish Breakdown Booster Club and you can sign up at boards.irishbreakdown.com, you can, if you're a new member or if you're a current member that's monthly or annual and you upgrade to the uh, the Shamrock Blue or Gold, you get a you get free merch. And so since JP is now a Gold Club member, he got merch. the free IB Club shirt. So it kind of looks like this, but it's a green. And instead of saying nation, it says uh, Gold Club. Nice. And it's Vince's is even more telling because this type of this blue does not exist. It's more of the green, I the traditional shamrock. And instead of na- saying nation, it'll say gold club. And then you get the IB uh, mug. So like the, the IB mug you guys have seen me drink out of, it's that, but it says club on it. IB club that oh, it's not available for sale. The gold club shirt's not available for sale. Vince doesn't have one. I don't have nope. one. Ryan doesn't have one. Those only go to to to, to booster club members. IB booster club members. And JB. My man JP is one, or JB awesome. is one. So I appreciate you for that very, very much, buddy. So thank you. Just Brady talking, Brian. If you were the head coach at Notre Dame, you 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 have been you have been given head coach and offensive coordinator responsibility and QB one and QB one. I mean, this is this is a good day for you. Yes. Uh, he says, if you were head coach at Notre Dame, is there anybody from the IB staff you would bring on to the Notre Dame staff with you? It can be a very minor role. Or a large one, it's up to you. Since this is not realistic and I don't want to piss anybody off, yes, I'd bring them all on. Um, (laughs) Vince is my my kicking coach. Stop Uh, with the kicking stuff. I don't want to be the kicking coach. I want to be the director of ops. Sean Davis would absolutely be my my hype man. Uh, (laughs) He would would absolutely be that. He'd be my Brian Polian. Um, I don't know that that's a compliment. (laughs) It's not. <laughs> it is for Sean, but it's not for Brian Polian. Uh, Sean Styers would be. Um, I would bring him on, but I would have him take over the. Uh, uh, I would. Per- I would have him take over the calling oh, game yeah. during the. You know, he'd be my announcer guy during games. Heck yeah, uh, he would definitely be doing that for me. Uh, Ryan would. Um, I don't know what I would have Ryan do, but I'd have him do something. He'd be an analyst for me. No, he Director no, honestly. I would have no. Actually, I would have him doing. He'd be in my advanced scouting department. Okay, he'd be working with Matt Jansen as part of my advanced, like having him breaking down film and players and sure. stuff of future opponents. Like in seriousness, like that's what I would have him doing. Like not even joking. That's what I'd have him doing for sure. I want to be so. director of ops. I want to be you know controlling things. Well, you got to be there because you got to be that person would have my back. Yeah, you know, uh, you you always need that guy that that uh, is always going to have your back in the that's office, me. and that would definitely be Vince. Yeah. So. You'd be my Ron Paulus. And you'd be better at the job than <laughs> Ron Paulus. All right. So yeah, that's what you'd be for me. I would I would actually love that job. Yeah. Uh Jordan Schreiber, can Sneed take reps away from Marist at will? Possibly. I don't think sure. Will's the position he's going to be at to start fall camp, but it's look, if Marist is your third best linebacker, either him or Jack's going to move to Will. And I could see Marist doing that, certainly. He played some Will in the spring too. But yeah, I could see that. I could see him or Nolan Ziegler, either one of them. I could yeah. see Nolan Ziegler, Jalen Sneed, or Jack Kaiser taking snaps away from JD Bertrand at will. Yeah. I was watching a bit Take of the BC game. Yeah, I was. Uh, that's yeah, that's what I meant. I was watching the BC game last night, Vince, and I got to the fourth quarter, and it just reminded me again of I still can't believe they moved Junior Tuilamak away from Mike because he was playing Mike in that game, and I was like, man, he's really good at that. Man, but is what that it still is. Shocks me too because yeah. I thought he was molded. For Mike linebacker, yep. I mean, Agreed. just anyway. Irish Guardian, not if the offensive starters all had to play defense and the defensive starters all had to play offense. 
what would the lineups look like and who would win? There's some interesting questions today. Uh, if the defensive <laughs> players had to play offense, okay. Uh, my offensive line, I, I I would have Gabriel Rubio playing offensive line. I would have Aiden Kanaana playing offensive line. Um, I, I honestly can't even think of I, – I, but that's the problem, though, because all three hours in, linemen I, are like way too. I'd have different. Xavier Watts playing receiver, Cam sure. Hart playing receiver, Benjamin sure. Morrison playing receiver. I'd have uh, Drake Bowens at running back. Him and Micah Bell are my two, my Thunder and Lightning uh, at running back. Interesting. Uh, I'd have probably Preston Zinter being a fullback, like H back type guy. Kaiser could be your quarterback. Yeah, Kaiser, Kaiser. Yes, that's true. Because Ka- I'm trying to think of who played quarterback in high school. Yeah. It'd be Kaiser or Josh Burnham. One of the yeah. two would be my quarterback. Um, see, defensive line, <laughs> Rocco. Um, I don't know, man. Emil <laughs> Wagner. <laughs> right, Cooper Flanagan for sure. Okay, uh, he'd be one. Corners. Audric would be your middle linebacker. Yeah. <laughs> I don't probably. know because he's just a big body. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, my brain's a little fried right now. Think about that. It's a, it's a fun question. Honestly, because I know who this is. This is a much better message board question. That would be I could, fun. Yeah. Like this would be a really fun message board question because I could think it through and have some fun with it. But yeah, my mind's. I mean, if, you, if you're going starter for starter, you've got to put Hartman at like free safety. I mean, you've got to have him kind of in the back. I wouldn't want him running with wide receivers or anything. He's got to play center field, right? I would think. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, but, yeah. Message board it, buddy. Definitely a message right. board. Message board question, my friend. PQ, what to do? What did what did it do? I think that's the name. Okay, we all expect Notre Dame to be good this year, and a big part of that is Sam Hartman. How do you think the 23 roster stacks up compared to recent Notre Dame teams when you remove quarterback from the equation? See, I know that Sam Hartman gets a lot of the hype, and he is a big reason for the excitement. But the reason for the excitement because you get Sam Hartman is not because he's Caleb Williams, but because you finally have a quarterback that can kind of utilize the talent you have everywhere else. Exactly. That's really what it comes down to. And so when I look at it, you know, I think this team is very talented. It's, it's you know, look, we, we went through the different years and, you know, I, the 23 running back room would get consideration if I knew they were all healthy. I expect the offensive line to be very good. It's very deep. It's young, but it's very deep. Mm-hmm. I think this is as good as Notre Dame has been from a talent in the starting lineup plus depth standpoint at corner. Uh, I think the safety position is going to be good this year. I, I love the talent at linebacker. The depth is young, but it's good. I think this is as deep as Notre Dame has been at defensive tackle in a very long time, very long time. You know I mean? Like I'm sitting there thinking about it. Like Tyson Ford might not get on the field much as a freshman or sophomore, whereas Kurt Heinish and Myron Tungvaloa played a bunch as freshmen and sophomores. Why? Because there was nobody else. Whether they were ready or not, they had to play. And they held their own, and they did good things in those roles, but they had to play. Tyson Ford's like, dude, he's got to beat out like six dudes to get on the field this year. Same with Donovan. Like Donovan Heinish is, be- to me, at the same age, is, is more athletically gifted than Kurt was. But Donovan's going to have a tough, tough time being on the field the first two years where Kurt played a ton. Is that because right. Kurt's better player? Not yeah. necessarily. The opportunity was easier because yeah. there was nobody else there. Right. And Kurt took advantage of it and, and, and more than held his own during his Notre Dame career. So please don't take those as insults to him. 
It's just it's such a deeper unit now. I mean, there's a chance Josh Burnham's going to be your third string Viper this year. He's arguably the best pound for pound athlete they have on the entire team. The position that I'm concerned about is an injury at safety makes me very nervous and big end. Those are the two positions I'm most concerned about because we need to see that Javante Jean-Baptiste can be that guy. If he's not that guy, yes, I'm a little yes. nervous about that position yeah. because I think Nana's more of a rotational guy. Sure. Now you're getting into freshmen needing to play there. So that would be the only one that I'm really curious about. But I love the town of receiver. I love the town at tight end. There's some injury questions at tight end and running back, but I, I really love this is partly why I'm so excited about this team. I love the town of football team. I do. I think this is a very talented football team. And we started to see it at, at, in flashes late last year. Yeah. And and that was still with a lot of flaws. You know, it's like it's it's funny. There's like Notre Dame fans say, well, you know, the South Carolina win didn't mean as much because they were missing X amount of players. I'm like, their name was missing so Isaiah Foster and Michael Mayer, like the two best players right. they had. They didn't have Cam Hart. Right. It's like three of your very best players that, you know, you had a quarterback playing that hadn't played in three months. This Well, they had 11 players out. Like not all those guys were starters. Not all those guys right. were even healthy at the time. That they were quote unquote out. Was a, in a, that was a, that was quite the narrative during that game too. So weird. They just kept playing it over and oh over and over, and it's like Notre Dame is missing. They Notre Dame ended up missing a, a, a handful of guys, not the just those two, three, but there was the a two best handful. players that didn't play in that game were Notre Dame kids. Correct. I, Absolutely. You know, I mean, flat out, you didn't have Cam Hart because of injury. I mean, there was a lot of Notre Dame guys. I'm, Tobias Merriweather got hurt in the first quarter and played and played through it the whole game. It just it's a weird narrative, but right it, to me, it's like this team has a lot of talent, and I'm very excited about this football team. But what the bowl game showed us is with some of those guys out, it showed that the guys behind them are pretty good. Jordan yeah. Dell stepped into Foskey's role and was really good. Uh, Riley Mills already slid inside for that game and was really good. He had a one-and-a-half sacks, and then he had two-and-a-half tackles for loss. Uh, Mitchell Levin stepped in for Michael Mayer, played really good football. You know, So some guys that stepped into important roles – Played pretty well in that game. Yeah. Xavier Watts played very well in that game. Jaden Mickey played probably his best game of the year against South Carolina, in my opinion. You know, so uh, and JD Bertrand was much. So I really like the talent of this football team. It's not just oh Sam Hartman's going to make all these mediocre players around him better. Well, no, he's not because he couldn't do that at Wake Forest. Right, right. It's you're inserting a really good quarterback, smart veteran quarterback on a talent a roster that's very talented everywhere that they just need that quarterback to be that guy. And that's basically what it boils down to for me. So, yeah. So uh, we got a super chat down here, Vince, from Lucky Ducks. Nice. Thank you very, very much for the super chat. Love the fact that if a freshman is playing a ton, it means they beat out a talented guy rather than having to play because we yes. need them to. Absolutely. And that's true, I would say, everywhere except, except receiver. One freshman has to play a receiver this year. Right. Has to Agreed. play. Now, I think they're in a fortunate situation where the guys that quote-unquote have to play are already ready to play. What, they would they have played, played regardless. Anyway. Yeah, Correct. Exactly. But to, to his point, there's nowhere else where a freshman has to play. Maybe big end. Maybe. But I think what you'd see there is they would just move somebody out. They'd maybe bump Riley back out or maybe put Jason Onye back out or Tyson Ford back out or something like that. I'd even consider putting Donovan Heinish out depending on where his weight is uh, in certain looks. But yeah, yeah, most positions, I think you're absolutely correct. And that's the point we were kind of getting to just now when yeah. we're talking about defensive tackles. There's been a lot of the freshmen that have played. It's because they had to. Right. 
Exactly. And in this situation, that's not really happening. At least you hope it doesn't, because if it does happen, that means there's been some pretty significant injuries in some positions. Significant, yeah. Yeah. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.